Avi on Money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 5 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us. One of the amazing stats that we are thrown at every year, that we see every year, is the difference between those who have qualified and those who get jobs. In other words, graduates who have finished their degree at varsity and now looking for employment, and that gap is widening every year. Fewer and fewer graduates are getting positions that in the areas that they are qualified for. But we have, on top of that, a compounding matter, and that is that even if people do or, or graduates do find positions, the problem they're facing is that they're working, walking into the workplace not being equipped with the sufficient amount of expertise to execute their job correctly. And that is one of the major problems that we are facing, where the majority of students who have graduated feel that they are not really prepared for the workplace. And people that they are starting to work with, people already in the workplace, there's a growing number of them who also feel that these new people are coming in just aren't skilled enough to do the job proficiently. And it gives me great pleasure to welcome back to Chai FM. That's Mochabin Nomvete. Welcome back to Chai FM. Hello, Avi, and thank you so much. I was so upset to hear that you weren't going to be in the studio. I know, I'm in the middle of exams. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for taking our time and best of luck with your exams. But before we go further, let me just tell everybody who you are in case people have forgotten. Um, Machabi, you're the technical marketing specialist at PPS. And um, if you heard my introduction, maybe just embellish on it a little bit. What is the crisis facing graduates today? Our graduates are really in trouble. And like you correctly said, firstly, just by way of introduction, we interviewed some 2,500 students across all the universities in South Africa. And on the other side, we also uh, interviewed people who are already in the workplace. And the question we asked was for the students, we said, do you think that your qualification actually equips you for the work environment? And then on the other side, we then asked the people already working the professionals to say, do you believe graduates coming into the system are well equipped for the job? And the funny thing is that the students, they all felt, most of them felt that, yes, we're very ready to tackle the world of work and, you know, we're good to go and we want, you know, we just want to get on with it. Yet the professionals who have to now work with these people, receive these people, they're now saying, sure, you might have the technical skills and the technical knowledge, but you are nowhere near ready to actually enter the work environment. And one of the major, there's lots of issues, so I'm going to try to break those two issues on. Great, the one you. issue was the soft side, the soft skills. So... As much as you go to tertiary, you study very hard, you get your qualification, everybody's happy. But nobody really ever teaches you the softer skills. And soft skills can be stuff that one, you take often for granted. A simple thing like communicating. Nobody tells you how to communicate in the business world. And if you look at, for example, now lately with social media, you know, the growth of social media, people communicate mostly on social media, which is very different to communicating in the business environment. So just that simple thing, you would think you know the difference and that you would know how to, when to, when to communicate how, but our students don't know that. So very simple, very silly mistakes, if I can call it that. They now bring that onto the workplace, which is not acceptable. And I think then professionals battle to tolerate that because you would expect someone who's duly qualified to at least know the basis of doing, for, for example, writing up a business case, using the correct terminology, the correct format, you know, not using social media terminology and all of that. 
So it's simple so that it can go horribly wrong for our students. Well, Chabi, so, so just on that note, that's something that I found, and it, it's something that the first time I saw it, I thought it was a mistake, where someone sends you an email and there's letters missing in words. The what? the syntax doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's almost as if, you know, when you're on a cell phone um, call and the call breaks, it's almost as if someone transcribed that onto paper and sent it to me. <laughs> And then, and it happens so much. I mean, like I said, you know, you would think that they would know that when I'm chatting to my friends on a social media platform or WhatsApp group, I can pretty much do what I want. Yes. But once I send in a CV or I'm applying for a job, I need to be completely different. You know, I need to use proper full sentences. I need to structure my sentences correctly. Simple things like that make it extremely difficult. Because even if you then you come and say you get somebody to professionally write your CV and you are impressive at the interview. And you get the job. The point is, these little things will start creeping up in the job itself. Which is, and like I say, then the, the, your manager or your leaders will find it very difficult to accept that or to tolerate it. Because like what I mean, which world do you live in? So you need to separate the two. My professional life requires me to write in a specific way, communicate in a specific way. My social life completely different. Separate the two completely. Which and I, mean, I think you can understand that and you already a step above most of your other colleagues. A hundred percent. Before, before we go there, sorry, I know I've interrupted you twice already. So let's just quickly run to the shops. We'll be back with you in a moment. Avi on money. 12 to 1 p.m. Only on 101.9. FM. Welcome back to 101.9 High FM. It's 12 minutes past the hour. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you so much for listening. On the line, we have Mochabi Nomveta, who's a technical marketing specialist at PPS. And we're discussing the, the basic difference between qualifying out of university and going into the workplace. Um, Mochabi, uh, you remind me of an advert I saw. It was actually at the entrance to the airport and I can't remember what it was for. But um, you see the same person on the left-hand side. He's wearing a cut-off T-shirt with tattoos and earrings, and he looks quite <laughs> aggressive and, you know, not the type of chap you want to meet in the dark alley. And then right <laughs> next to it is the same guy with a white shirt and tie. His hair's brushed differently, so it's covering his ears. You don't see the earrings. And he looks mm-hmm. like a consummate professional. And mm-hmm. almost that's the scenario that we need to perform in the workplace. Yep. We need to differentiate. We need to know how to show up, depending on the occasion. Nothing wrong with the tattoos and the long hair and the rough look for a very different environment. But once you enter the workplace, there's very different expectations, and you need to be in tune with that and and accommodate and change your style accordingly. Be yourself, all of it. We're not saying now be don't be true to yourself, etc., etc. But there are certain requirements, certain basics that you're just gonna have to. You know, accept that that is how it is. That's how the world works, and get on with it. Because otherwise, then you're going to be one of those unemployed graduates and one worrying and not figuring out, but why, why, why me, why me? Absolutely. It's very simple things, really. That we do need to make very conscious decisions about some of these things. To say, I'm going to show up. I'm going to look the part. I'm going to be the part with absolutely everything that I do in that role. So the first thing was communication. Get yourself out of social media mode. Get yourself into professional mode and use the right form of communication in the right context. Mm. What is the next soft skill? Let it be decision-making. You know, in a corporate environment or in any work environment, you're constantly faced with having to make decisions. And decision-making is one of those difficult ones because you can't really be taught 
you know, there isn't a clause. Let us now sit and decide on how we're going to make a decision. So how are you going to get that right? That is something you're going to have to teach yourself. That is something you're going to have to be aware of. And I would say, I would suggest, especially for our young people, take problems, any kind of problem. It can be anything, not just the next problem. Take, you know, if you come across a situation, always ask yourself, how would I do it? And start teaching your mind to, you know, to work yourself through a process to say, okay, if I'm faced with this challenge or I'm faced with having to make a choice between X and Y, don't just make the decision because some of these things do come, you know, you, you choose between a white and a yellow t-shirt. That's fine. But then ask yourself, what made me arrive at this decision? If you're looking at the news or anything, whatever you're, you know, whatever you enjoy doing, let that spark an interest in you to say, if I were in that position or how would I have done this differently? How would I have arrived at a decision process, et cetera, et cetera. By doing that, by consciously doing that, you train your mind to make decisions. And more than that, you train your mind to understand why you make the decisions that you do make. And remember, especially if you've never been employed before, when you go into an interview, employers most times would look for um, experience, which you're obviously not going to have. So how are you going to illustrate it by way of example? So if you start training your mind already, in the interview setup, you can say, I had a situation like this, or I came across, can I give you an example? I came across an example of this, this, and this. Then you paint the scenario, so you say, so I took, I, 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 I did this this way. But they can see that, you know, you're applying yourself more than just, oh, well, I don't have the experience, therefore I can't really contribute anything to it. Then you show them a skill, which is very rare, which is sought after, and they can see that, you know, this person actually takes everything and talks themselves through it, you know, list advantages and, dis- you know, the bottom and disadvantages. Talk them through your thought process. So they can see that there is logic in it, there is critical thinking. And remember, there is, in some cases, there isn't only one right way. So say, well, there's nothing wrong with that other way, but I would have done it this way because, and then substantiated. So like I said, it's some very simple things. Just start forcing your mind to think about how would I solve the X? And that X can be anything. In, in fact, the more exposure you have to the different Xs, so today is solve for a red and white T-shirt. Tomorrow is solve for global warming. Tomorrow is solve for the political crisis we find ourselves in. Or economic. So try to have as many views about as many different things as possible. Because that will come through when people speak to you. And that in itself will say, okay, you might be a force to be reckoned with. That's such an interesting, um, just the way of looking at things. Because I've often sat in situations where you hear a manager or an employer, whatever the terminology would be for somebody who is employing people or responsible for people, and you get almost a schizophrenic scenario where the person says, you know, I would have ex- really expected Mochabi to, to do that. Yep. On yep. the other hand, why is Mochabi doing that? She knows it's not her job. She knows she's underqualified to do that. Hold on, what, what do you want the, you, must they read your mind? You, you know, on the one hand, they're brilliant. On the, the person, the poor person can't win either way. Either they're lazy or they're too aggressive. Which one must it be? But if they, but if you come forward and you say, listen, you know, in this scenario, this is the way I would like to handle it. Are you happy with that? All of a sudden the person says, wow, you've applied your mind. You're basically asking without groveling. And you give, you're coming up with a solution. No, I'd like it done like that, but please add this and this icing on top. Then you've got yes. your answer. Oh, yes. And remember, with that, and I think why people are too scared, either too scared to do that, or one of the reasons why they would be too scared to do that is that they fear rejection. So another thing mentally that we need to practice is to say, you know what, not all my ideas are going to fly. 
not all my leaders, managers, whoever you want to call them, are going to accept my ideas for what they are. So that's a, if you can make peace with that, but then say that in itself is not going to stop me from putting forward my word, from saying what it is that I need to say in a polite way, in a respectable way, without being forceful, aggressive, et cetera, et cetera. So make that peace that not all your ideas, because I think you try that once, they say no before you've even said anything, and then for the rest of your life now you're too scared to ever suggest anything. Accept that rejection is part of it, and not because of anything against you, not because of anything personal. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. So make peace with that, and then once you've made peace with it, in the right place, in the right forum, approach the people who can help you make those decisions. And one way to build confidence to do that is through, for example, having a mentor. Somebody that you can always bounce ideas off. You know, so anybody, it doesn't need to be someone in the world, it can be anybody from anywhere. But somebody that you know will be brutally honest with you. So if you have this bright spark idea, you know, I'm going to contact this person, give them the scenario, tell them what I'm thinking, and they can even also suggest to you how you can go about, you know, how, how would you be more effective to get someone to listen to you, to your ideas. They can ask you questions that you hadn't thought of so that you can fully apply your mind before you go to your manager, your boss, or whoever to say, well, I was thinking of this. Because by doing that, you build up the confidence they can see that you really, really have applied your mind and it will get better. It will get easier and better with time. So give yourself the time to learn, leverage of people who've done this, who have the experience, who can say, uh uh-uh, you know what, that's not quite going to work. And they can explain to you why you can talk through it. And then, you know, you have a conversation around it. So put yourself out there, be prepared for possible rejection, but don't let that stop you because it is not personal, it is not about you. Moto, on that note, talking about personal, we need to again run to a quick ad break. But when I come back, I want to ask you to think about the South African context. I'm employing a young black lady. She's not confident in speaking English because it's not her mother tongue, even though her English is perfect. Her accent might be um, a little bit overbearing compared to my perfectly white South African accent. She's now expected to communicate with me freely. What that person, I know how I would feel on the, on the first day in the job in my mother tongue. I can only imagine how a person not speaking their mother tongue would feel, especially when they're in an alien environment. I'm thinking about, you know, and I'm asking you specifically, because I'm sure you've been through this scenario. What I'd like to spend just a few minutes when you come back is maybe to give from your own personal experience and just to help people going out there and saying, this is another thing, a communication barrier that you need to be aware of. But it's not a barrier that you need to turn away from. It's a barrier that you need to tackle and you need to get over and you need to appreciate that there will be the resistance on the other side. But once you've, once you've gone beyond that and you've proven yourself, my feeling is that the person who resisted you is often on the back foot because they're judged basically are just on face value without giving you a chance to express yourself. Let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a moment. Avi on money, 12 to 1 p.m., only on 101.9 Chai FM. Welcome back to 101.9 Chai FM. It's 23 minutes past 12. Thank you so much for joining us, and thank you so much for staying with us. If you've just joined us, we're speaking to Mochabi Nomveta, who's a technical marketing specialist at PPS, and even though she's writing exams, Anna's taken time off to speak to us, which I appreciate. 
I'm still a bit irritated that you aren't in studio because <laughs> our last interview simply ran away, you know, just ran away with us. And there's so much we can, we can chat about. Um, um, Mochabi, the intro, intro I gave just before the break, is that a perception that I have or is that a reality? I think it is a general perception. It is something that many of our young people are faced with. And um, it is unfortunate in that I think what we need to be speaking a language fluently doesn't make you great. When you look at language and you break that down, what is important is how you put your words together. Your sentence construction for me is more important than how you then pronounce the words. Okay. Having said that, obviously people, we do judge. We, we say you've got 30 seconds or first 30 seconds make or break a relationship, et cetera, et cetera. But you need to try to prepare yourself for that. And the only way you can do that is that one, you need to have confidence in yourself. You need to believe that you have what it takes to make an impression. You might not speak the Queen's English, but you do speak English. So that's the first thing. Make peace with that. And then ask yourself, how then do I, how do I then portray that to people? Remember, the first thing would be how you come across. If I, on my first meeting with you, my head is down, my shoulders are down, I'm too scared to look you in the eye. Before I've even said hello, you've judged me. You're thinking, okay, well, she lacks confidence. Then I talk and then I prove that I do lack confidence. So then that just confirms whatever it is that you were thinking of me. So the first thing, like I said, show up, dress up, arrive, and say hello to you in the most confident way possible. And you can't really make up a hello if you put enough effort into it. It's one word. It is powerful. The way you're going to say that, take your hand out, give them a nice firm shake, look them in the eye and say, how are you? What you say there after the person's already thinking, oh, well, look, she's dressed apart, she looks apart, her shoulders are out, she's standing tall, she's confident of herself. Then the rest will follow. So be confident, believe in yourself. Other ways, obviously, that you can, in the meantime, if, you know, when you do have the time and you need to spend time on it, is to improve yourself. You improve yourself by way of talking. You improve yourself by listening to English radio stations, etc., etc. You improve yourself by, by reading. Because you'll be amazed how many words you, you know, just learning different ways, you know, new ways of saying and doing things. And I mean, these days we spoiled for choice. If you go into Google and you type in a word, you can even click for it to sound back to you. You know, so don't just read the word, but they'll tell you, this is how you say this word. You practice it. So anything that you know you're not good at, you practice. But that does not take away the fact. And I mean, I always say, there's a girl that I mean to, and I always say to her, the first thing is be kind to yourself. I wouldn't have called you, for example, for an interview if what is on the piece of paper was not good enough. Yes, it would be you and a few other candidates, but the point is, already you, you stand out from the rest because you are here today. You are not here by mistake. It is not a fault that you are here. So just then, talk me through it. And don't be embarrassed. If everything else about you exceeds confidence, then the pronunciation can be forgiven. You know, I'm sitting, I'm thinking, and I'm just smiling. I have a wonderful, wonderful lady that works for me. Um, and her first interview, she rocked up an hour and a half late. She, she came in, it was January or February. No, it was March. It was summer. It was hot. She was perspiring profusely. She didn't. And the first thing she said when she looked at me is, where's the bathroom? And she ran to the loo and she came back. This poor woman was shaking like a leaf. I said to her, what's the story? It's just to be, we got lost. We couldn't find the place. We're coming from Eldorado Park. We left sure. two hours ago. It took us three and a half hours to get here. Uh, and I just looked at her and 
I just thought, mm, you don't look the part, you're a wreck, you this, you that. But you didn't turn around and go home. You it's, kept... Somebody else would have. They would have given up at, at two exactly. hours. Exactly. I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to get there. So two days to say. And that was for... And that four... is a level of confidence and belief in yourself you need to have. And that was... Because life does happen. It is unfortunate. Yes, as us as interviewers, employees, we want them to be on time, etc. But if you are there and it happens that you are late, own it. I think the first thing is you try and pretend that... I'm not late. I mean, I've been in interviews people look at me like, but I'm not late. What's the problem? And they give me attitude. And I'm like, but you're late. <laughs> so, I mean, at least own up to the problem. Don't now hang on to the problem so that now we feel sorry for you. But own up. Get there and say, this is my story. I'm sorry I'm late. Can you please proceed with the interview? You know, sort of confidence with a level of respect that obviously the other person does deserve. But then get over it. You know, Donna was able, because I've, I've also seen where now people, when they give you examples, as they talk you through the interview, it, it comes back to, I'm still a victim. I'm still a victim. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm not giving you a chance to get out of victim mode and to prove yourself. Prove it. You know, I, I, you know, I, I mean, I had a guy yes. last week that I interviewed, and I mean, it was unfortunate, but I, I remember when I got him, I thought, he lost his father in the meantime, et cetera, et cetera. So now, absolutely every question he was answering, was referring back to the death of his dad. And I thought, you know, it's a very personal thing. It's a very difficult thing, I can imagine. You know, I still have both my parents alive and kicking. So I, I, I empathize with anybody who's possibly lost a parent or somebody close. But I just almost thought, as you know, got to a point, I thought, is this now bordering on emotional abuse? Is it right. trying to change my perception? Because now absolutely everything. I mean, if I ask him what kind of the sky, he'll say, oh, my dad in heaven. And I'm like, what? Okay. You know, so I mean, people, I think we need to understand that interviewers, uh, potential leaders, whatever, are also human. They, they, we do want to help. I think people, most people are empathetic and they are genuine and authentic and they want to help the next person. But you also can't now want to sponge off that. And that's it, again, finding that balance between I've now said what I've needed to say, I was late, I've owned up, and I want to get on with the interview. I'm going to clean myself up as best as I possibly can under the circumstances. And I'm going to just go with it. And yeah. that's a very conscious decision, again, that you need to make, because also that will say, how do you handle problems? Because that in itself is an indicator for you as an employer to say, how does this person um, handle obstacles along the way? Machabi, we are unfortunately out of time. I know that uh, you only I'm wanted... i so sorry. But good luck <laughs> with your exams. And what Thank I'd really you. like to do is to try to get you in either just before the end of the year or the beginning of next year. And, yeah. um, you know, really maybe just publicize the fact that we're going to be speaking to graduates, just that you can, again, share your story, share your your journey, and really mm-hmm. just equip them with the tools that they might need, even if it's just one idea, they can get them to the step up. Best of luck with your exams, and we'll speak to you later. Thank you. I'd love to come back, and I hope to see you soon. Great. Thank you. That was Mochabi Nomveta, who's the technical marketing specialist at PPS, a lady who's really a self-made professional and just a great individual. Good luck to your exam, for your exams. We'll speak to you later.